Now do you see these promises? Here's the river of life, eternal life flowing from the throne of God. The tree of life, God's provision, restoration. The throne, His sovereignty, ruling over all things. And that very tender picture when we will see Him face to face in all of His glory and in all of His beauty. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. This morning we come to the very last book of the Bible and the last chapter of the last book as we conclude this series of sermons. When we're doing communion, Richard is preaching one uh, service and I'm preaching the others. Last time I did Ignite and he did traditional. He's in Ignite today because we want to try to make these communion services even more meaningful to you this morning. And I hope that that is going to be the case. But today we have the privilege of coming to the very end, the conclusion of this study that's been going on now for three years in Revelation And so this is God's Word as found in chapter 22 of Revelation, the first seven verses. This is the very Word of the living God. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be put on their foreheads. There will no more be night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. This is the word of God. And this morning, Lord, as we come to open the scriptures... Some are weary, some are overwhelmed with life, some are discouraged. May the words of this passage bring us hope and excitement and encouragement. As we live in this broken, fallen world where there's pain and sorrow and tears and death, but we know that there's a great day coming when we will see the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, we long for those days. And so I pray this morning 
that your spirit would use these words to bring comfort to your people. For we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting that when you get to the last chapter of God's story, there's a picture there of the new heavens and the new earth. And Richard began that with us the last couple of Sundays. And when you read these passages, the last part of chapter, of chapter 21, the first part of chapter 22, there's great hope, there's excitement when you read this. And if you remember that this book of Revelation was written during the time of a period of great persecution. And don't you know this was encouraging to the people as they read that? They were seeing their loved ones severely persecuted, thrown to the lions, burned. And yet in the midst of that came this great message of hope. And last week, Richard told us that God is remaking and reshaping reality as we know it. That when Christ returns, all that we're familiar with, the hurt that's hurtful and painful, will be no more. And in the new heavens and new earth, for the first time in our lives, we'll be set free from sin forevermore. And so it's no wonder that the book of Revelation begins with a great blessing And it says, blessed is the one who reads these words of the prophecy and who hears it and takes it to heart. And it ends with that blessing that we read a few minutes ago. Blessed is he who keeps this word. And so as we look at the passage this morning, the first seven verses, there are three images that are given in this passage. Three images that help us capture this idea of the new heavens and the new earth. And remember that the book of Revelation, as Richard has taught us, is filled with symbolism. And we have to look at the symbolism. We have to see what these images represent. And so there are three. The very first one is the river of the water of life. The river of the water of life that's found in the opening verses. And it's interesting, when he talks about that river, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God into the middle of the streets of the city. But earlier in the book, Jesus had made a very interesting promise that we're told about him. In chapter 7, it says, For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of water. I want to stop there because he's obviously, when Jesus is talking about leading us to the springs of water, I want to approach this two ways. First of all, for those of us, all of us, death is something fearful. We we don't know what we face when we face death. But see, these are such, and remember that some of the people that John was writing to would face death. And here is the lamb who says, here's the lamb who's in the center of the throne. This lamb who's going to become a shepherd. And what does he do? He leads these people to the springs of living water. At our death, there are two promises that Jesus makes. He says, I will come and take you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be. And then when he takes us there, look. He will lead us to the springs of the water of life. What a great promise. But it also gives encouragement to us now. 
to those who are weary and overwhelmed and filled with fear and suffering greatly. Surely these words are an encouragement to us. They are life-giving and life-affirming words, as Richard so aptly puts it, that helps us to engage in the messiness and the distractions of life. And so when we look at the imagery here, the imagery, the river itself symbolizes eternal life. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman? He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. And he said, indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That river of life, it is the river of eternal life that's being promised here. And there are no impurities in it. And notice the origin of the river. It was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It points out God's sovereignty in the work of salvation. He is in control of that work of salvation. He is the author of the work of salvation. He ensures that salvation comes to us. You see what the gospel tells us? The gospel is not about what we do for God, but what God has done for us. He sovereignly upon his throne. This river flows from him. And what is the basis of our salvation? It's the Lamb who's there. The Lamb is the central character throughout the book of Revelation. And there is the Lamb. And it is the precious blood, the redemptive blood of the Lamb that brings about that eternal life. And we're told that that river flows down from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, and that river becomes central and vital. Do you see it? It's talking about that life-giving, eternal blessings of our salvation, secure. No one can take it from us because God upon his throne has declared it, and he has sent these streams of water into our lives. And then we come to the second image, the tree of life. And you remember the tree of life, right? In the Garden of Eden. We're told in Genesis 2, in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And after Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, what happened? They were banned. They were banned from access to the tree of life. He drove the man out and placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim with flaming swords to prevent man from coming in. And that forbidding of man to take of the tree of life was part of the curse that came in Genesis chapter 3. And now we come all the way to the end of God's story. And what do we find? The tree of life again. Whereas we were banned from it, And now we see it show up again in this last chapter, the tree of life. And that tree of life that represents the continual provision of God. We're told two things about it in the passage. First of all, it bears 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. God's provision, his providential provision. Listen, in the new heavens and new earth, we lack nothing. Everything is perfect. Relationships are restored. All that we need, we have because God provides it. The leaves are producing fruit 
for continual provision. And the second thing you're taught about the, the tree there, it says that its leaves are for the healing of the nations. There's the idea of restoration and healing. And what we couldn't do as a result of the fall, when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, we partake of the tree of life. Are you following the imagery? Here's the river eternal life flowing from the throne of God, given to God's people. The great shepherd Jesus leads us to that water where we drink of that eternal life. There's the tree, continual provision, restoration of all things, things being made right once and for all, forever and ever. And the curse is gone. The curse is gone It's interesting that when we get to the the curse, you know, that whole idea of the curse being reversed, that there's no longer any curse in the city there. What happened to the curse? It's gone now. And now the tree of life has been opened. Following it, the river of eternal life, the tree of life, Symbolizing God's provision and God's restoration of all things. And no longer any curse. It's gone. And then we get to the third of the images there. And it is the throne of God. The throne of God and of the Lamb. We're told the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Listen to the promises here. Here is the river, eternal life flowing from the throne Here's the tree of life, God's provision, restoration, healing. And then there's the throne, God's sovereignty as he rules and overrules everything. And we are brought before that throne and we are told that we will see his face. Can you imagine that? You know what Paul said? He said, now we see but a poor reflection. I mean, the best of our eyes of faith, the best we see is a poor reflection. But can you imagine what it's going to be like to look at him face to face? I think about this. To look at God and see him face to face. You know, it was Moses. Moses in Exodus 33 and 34. He said, God, I want to see your face. Show me your glory, he cried out. And God said, oh, Moses, (laughs) Moses, you couldn't take it if you saw it. And so what does he do? You remember, he hid him in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand, and God passed by. That which Moses longed to see, we will see. You remember David? 
David had his one thing that I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to do what? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Can you imagine that we'll gaze upon his beauty? Can you think of the most beautiful thing you can imagine in your mind? It pales to nothing to that day when we stand and gaze at the beauty of Christ. You know, I think about this sometimes when we lose loved ones. And I've said to people, and I really believe this, as much as they love us, they wouldn't want to come back because they see his beauty and they see his glory. And you see, that's what Paul meant when he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Whatever suffering there is on this earth, and there's a lot of suffering on this earth, whatever it is, it pales to nothing compared to what we will see. Listen, here's what we're being told in this chapter. We're being told that the day is going to come when we will see his face, we will gaze upon his beauty, we will see his glory, and his glory is so brilliant that there'll be no reason to have any sun or any kind of light because it's so spectacular, it's so incredible, this glory that shines forth. And the day is going to come when we will behold it in all of its beauty. Now, do you see these promises? Here's the river of life, eternal life flowing from the throne of God. The tree of life, God's provision, restoration. The throne, his sovereignty, ruling over all things. And that very tender picture when we will see him face to face in all of his glory and in all of his beauty. And so what is this really all about, this last couple of chapters? It's about the universe reborn. It's about a return to Eden, but even in more perfection and more beauty than ever what Adam and Eve experienced in Eden. It's about a church reunited forever. All of us who've lost loved ones through all of the ages, think of it. We'll be together again, gathered around that glorious river and the tree of life and the throne in the middle of it and the beauty of Christ and the glory of God shining all around. It'll be about paradise regained. That's the story. That's how the story ends. The story ends with his glorious new heavens and new earth in which we, the people of God, will spend all eternity free from suffering, free from death, no more goodbyes, no more pain, no more sorrow. 
all gone forever and ever. You know, the older I get, the more I long for it. Every now and then I'll have somebody tell me, you know, preacher, I got my ticket to get on the bus. I'm just not ready to get on the bus yet. I said, oh, you don't know what you're going to be missing. Because if we really understood what Revelation is telling us, we would long for that day. And three times in this passage, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Yes, I'm coming quickly. It means we're to live every single day as if this is the day that he's coming back to a universe reborn, to the church reunited forever, and to paradise regained. That's how God's story ends. It also ends with a wedding feast, a party, if you will where the bride of Christ is presented to the bridegroom and we're the bride and Christ is the bridegroom and there is this feast and we will partake of that feast in glory together and rejoice. But until that time, he's given us something else. He's given us what we're about to do, the Lord's Supper. It's a feast too. You see, there's an invitation that's given to us where we're invited to come. Look, come all of you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And I hope this morning you see, if you're thirsty, if there's something lacking in your life, there is a river of life that flows from the throne of God. And Jesus takes us to it. And when we drink of it, we find life. And if you've never come to that place, it's my prayer this morning that you do. Come, come to the waters. And he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You see, the way you come to the waters is to come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus and drink, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Let me tell you what I'm saying here as you come to the table. This table reminds us of not only what is yet to come, but what you can have right now. When you drink, you find satisfaction, meaning for your life, purpose, no matter how bad things are. When you drink of the water of Christ, there is this incredible peace And joy that's ours. And so this morning we're going to invite you. Come. Taste. And see. Because the Lord is good. Let us pray together. This morning Lord as we. As we stop to ponder. This passage. Oh, we see it. Rivers of living water flowing from the throne. The tree of life, restoration, provision. And the very throne itself with the Lamb.
the lamb who became a curse so that the curse that came at Eden is reversed and where we were prevented from eating of the tree as a result of the fall we're invited to partake and to see you face to face and so Lord this morning as we come to the table would you prepare our hearts to come to the feast a foretaste of a greater feast remind us of your promises and remind us of your presence for we make this prayer in Jesus name Amen At First Presbyterian we are delighted to invite you to come and join us as we celebrate the resurrection with services at 8, 9.30, 10.45 and 11 More information at firstpresbyster.com